Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. <clears throat> I know several people are, are out of town this week um, that already communicated with me. Um, but if you don't see somebody here, uh, reach out to them today or this week and don't harass them, but just say, hey, we love you, we missed you, and let's celebrate Easter this coming Sunday. So uh, we will be in John chapter 8 again today. You probably already have a bookmark there. And so, yeah, today's lesson, you know, it might be on the shorter side. The sermon will be on the shorter side today. And it's a very simple, simple topic, but I think one that, that if Jesus is talking about it, it's pretty serious. And so, don't confuse the fact that it's simple with how important it is. We'll see Jesus takes this very seriously. But to start, I wanted to go back to, to 1930, and I wasn't there. But there was this legendary moment, Sunhouse and Willie Brown. Um, if you like blues, you know who they are, and they are playing in Mississippi at, at this, this Delta Blues house. They're killing it, doing a great job, but they need to take a break. And so they take a break, and on, on walks this young man named Robert Johnson. So Robert Johnson shows up, and he plays guitar in a way that nobody will ever forget. It is so bad. It is so bad that he knows, and they know, and it's the talk of the town, this guy is a wreck. Like, he is horrible at the blues, right? And so, after that night, he disappears for three years. Nobody sees him, hears about him. He shows up three years later, and he is awesome. Like, he is the blues master. And if you like, again, if you like blues, you know who this guy is. And he sang famous songs like Hellbound to Hell, up jumped the devil, and me and the devil, right? So what's, what's up with this guy? Like, this is interesting. And so, again, nobody knew how he became so good so quickly, but the story is, and this is affirmed by his friends and his family and people who were there, and everybody sticks by this story, at the crossroads of Highway 49 and 61, he met the devil, and he sold his soul to the devil in order to have this lucrative career, now, Robert died just five years later at the age of 27, you know, which if you study music at all, there's the 27 Club. It's a whole other story, but here's one of the earliest re recordings of being part of the 27 Club. And so is this story true? A lot of people think it is. We don't know for sure. But what I can tell you is that many of us have come to the crossroads probably many times in our life where we've had to make an important decision, right? I mean, entirely different paths before us. And in our text today, we're going to learn about how Jesus is saying that we're at a crossroads literally every day. Every day of our lives, we are at a crossroads. And so, in the second half of John chapter 8, Jesus says these paths, these roads, they all start at one point. And so, the crossroads of our life is the Word of God, like, that's where we make the decision which way we're going to end up. What, what is our identity going to be, a disciple of Jesus or a child of the devil? And those are Jesus' words. 
And so our text today will be uh, verses 31 through 59. Today's sermon is called Bleed the Bible. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. <clears throat> I know that we all have uh, the Bible and various copies of the Bible, and we have the Bible on our phone, um, but that doesn't mean that we have your word, Lord, that, that we are doing right by it, Lord. And so I, I just ask that we would really take this, this simple lesson to heart, Lord, and not neglect um, what we do with your word, Lord. And so just bless this time, be honored, Lord, by our love and worship and joy in you, Lord. And be with those who aren't here today, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord, and, and let them listen to this at some point, Lord. And we just thank you for everything in Christ. Amen. So let's start by looking at verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so we'll spend like half the, the first hour of our time here this morning just really looking at this verse. And this is road one, right? This is road one. This is the road to being a true disciple, true disciple by Jesus' words. And right off the bat, what we find here is there's a difference between believing in God and being a disciple. Because it says right here, these Jews believed, right? They already believed, and yet Jesus is saying, well, here's what... It takes to be a disciple of mine. And so you could say uh, they've professed faith without possessing faith, right? They've come to the altar call, but they don't really know what they're signing up for, right? Anybody could follow Jesus for a day. So they come to Jesus, and Jesus is like, well, here's what it actually looks like. It's tomorrow and the next day, and it keeps going. And so the goal here is to be a disciple. And Jesus gives one primary way to achieve this, and that's abide in my word, right? Abide in his word. So what does that mean? Well, I actually agree with the dictionary, the Oxford Dictionary here. Um, very good definition, accept or act in accordance with. Think law-abiding citizen, right? That citizen who knows the law and keeps the law, right? So they are abiding by that law. Now, what is also implied here in this language is that you remain there. So this isn't a one-day thing, but you are, with, you are abiding with Jesus your entire life. You will remain abiding. We'll see this later in John 15. You don't go anywhere. And so um, take comfort if you've been a Christian for a long time. That's a great sign that you are abiding, right? Because we've already seen people after a day or two are very quick to leave Jesus. So he says, abide in my word. And abiding has two elements to it, two elements to abiding, which is knowing and following. And so knowing the word. A true disciple knows the word of God. He doesn't just own the word of God. Otherwise, like I would be the most knowledgeable because I have so many Bibles, right? But that's not what he's talking about here. It's like, do you know what it says? Do you know what it says in this word? Why is this important? <clears throat> Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so in the Word of God, we have everything we need to know. Everything that we need to know about God and serving God is in His Word. It is in the Bible. So I think a couple of months back, I ordered a book on Amazon, which still hasn't come out yet. I think the release date is June. 
hopefully. And it's called the Scooter Bible. Because of course, right? Um, so what, what is the Scooter Bible? Well, it's a book that tells you everything to possibly know about scooters, of course. Now, you pick the topic, you know, whatever it might be, you know, like golf or surfing, skateboarding, there's some sort of Bible. There's a definitive book that you would call the Bible of that topic, meaning that, that, that everything about that topic is contained in it, just like with our Bible. It's everything that we need to know about God and to follow God. It is in there if you have a Bible. And so the true disciple reads to know. Reads to know, and don't get me wrong, you know, as I was talking about this this morning, right? I mean, every day, now I've been a Christian 25 years, and I would say almost on a daily basis, if not for sure every week, I learn something new about the Bible, about God, or about myself. You know, I've been to school, I, I've preached and taught, and I still continuously am overwhelmed. Reading the Bible is, is a cycle of awe and repentance, right? Awe and repentance over and over. You can just keep going through it. You don't go through it once and then, and then know it. And yet at the same time, if, you've, if you're going through the Bible for the first time, you're getting stuff. Like stuff's clicking Oh, this makes sense because you're reading it and you're praying through it. It will make sense to you. But you have to read it, right? And you have to pray through it. And so in this case, letting go and letting God is not a biblical concept, right? You know, not needing the Bible or theology and, and just needing Jesus is not a biblical concept. Because if that's true, well, Jesus has said, well, you need to abide in my word. So if Jesus is all you need, then listen to him. Abide in his word, you know, we should be like the psalmist in Psalm 1, where his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Well, what's the purpose of this? You know, I've mentioned many times, we do not study just to win a game of Bible trivia, which I'm yet to win, which, don't judge me for that. But that's not why we study, right? We study to follow. We have the insider information on the galaxy, Right, And so we study to follow. And so the second uh, part of abiding in the word is following the word. Follow the word of the Lord. And so let me ask you, does the word of God dominate your life? Does the word of God dominate your life? Is everything in your life brought through Scripture? Right? Is that the lens that you view everything through. We would even call this today a Christian worldview. All of our thoughts and actions and deeds, ambitions, all of our life is taken under Scripture and submission to it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is easy. I didn't say it was easy. I'm just repeating what Jesus said, right? Abide in his word. And I think this is especially tough when we don't agree with Scripture, Right? That's when it gets interesting. Because, I mean, here's the deal. I, I, for myself, I love hearing epic sermons about what I already believe, right? About scripture, about theology, but somebody articulates it in a great new way. That is the best. Like, oh, it's, it's so awesome. But yet, there's, there's moments, even for me in my life, and my theology has changed so much in 25 years where you will come to a point where you have to decide whether you're going to submit to Scripture. Because you know what it says. We know what it says. But are we going to submit to it? 
<clears throat> well, as we saw at the end of chapter 6, a bunch of people following Jesus were out. Nope, I'm not going to abide. I, I am out. <clears throat> and so I actually remember reading an essay by um, ex-president Jimmy Carter talking about why he left the Southern Baptist Convention, which is a solid convention, right? And he said his issues were with the ecclesiology of the convention, and so he left it. But the issues of the ecclesiology were, were biblical, right? They're biblical proclamations. And so, you know, he tried to make it tricky, but what he did was he left the word, right? He stopped abiding in the word. You can call it what you will, but he left the word because it's hard and it will challenge you. I mean, that's how I know, you know, if you're not calling me or talking to me about some difficult part of scripture, then I, I don't know if you're reading it. Because there is some, you know, even as you go through it later on in life and stuff hits you, I mean, it's going to challenge you. And that, that is an absolutely great thing. I just pray that, that God will give us hearts and minds to submit to his word, to his authority, even over things we disagree with or we don't understand, maybe that we don't even agree with, with each other. But we don't leave the church, right? We don't leave the church. Disciples abide in the word, Right? That, that's what unites us, is this word. And so, abiding in the word, verse 32 says, that we will know the truth. And so, we will know truth through the word. And there are two aspects to this. The first being that we learn the truth through Jesus. Like, through Jesus. And so, going back a couple months to John 1.17... For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so, yes, Jesus gave the law to Moses. And so, as we, as we looked at last week, where this woman is caught in idolatry, right? Caught, or, or, adultery, sorry. She's caught in adultery. And yes, she's guilty. Jesus says, yes, she's absolutely guilty. That is true. But it's also true, just as true, that there's grace to offer, right? Both those things are absolutely true. Not to mention, but think about it, it's only by grace alone that we know anything about God. Right? It's through the word of God that God tells us he wants us to know him. Right? That is a huge blessing right there. He wants to be known. And so, knowing the truth of the word also means that through the word, we learn the truth about Jesus. There's a lot of opinions about Jesus, especially during Holy Week. You will see uh, the devil attacking the faith. You'll see it on Facebook. You'll see it everywhere. All these attacks on the character and person of Jesus, making fun of us for this being a Holy Week. You know, I'd say most of these things that I read about Jesus are nonsense, you know, just rubbish. But through the Word, I mean, even just think about through John alone, not even through eight chapters, everything that we've learned about Jesus just through John. So many great things that, 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 like our culture and his culture, just makes people want to slander him and kill him. And so rather than go back, I wanted to look forward to John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so learning through Jesus, right, learning about Jesus, it opens our eyes to genuine reality. 
It opens our eyes. It helps us answer the most difficult questions of life. Why is the world like this? Why am I like this? Why am I doing these things, right? Like Paul, why? Why do I do everything that I do? And in this verse, it's acknowledging that. Because the answer is Jesus, right? Through Jesus, through knowing Jesus and learning about Jesus, all these questions are answered. And we see in verse 32, it says, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And so what does this mean? In verses 34 to 36, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house, the son does not remain the slave, sorry, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so the heart of this passage is actually very much about freedom and slavery, right? Freedom and slavery. And this is sort of an odd way to say it for us. So it's a different culture. But he's saying, like, if you're the son of the house, nothing will change the fact you belong to that family. You're always going to be the son. But if you are a slave, you can be set free. In fact, the son can set you free. That's one of the authorities the son has, is they can set a slave free. But if the slave is set free, they are no longer part of the house. And so what is fantastic about what Jesus is communicating here is that we are set free from being slaves and then welcomed into his house. Right? So we are, through Jesus Christ, we've gone from being slaves to sin to being children of God. Amen? And so the implications of these verses are that our freedom in Christ leads to freedom from sin. To the freedom from sin. And this assumes this freedom of sin that we are abiding in the Word, right? We're, we, we know what to do and we do it, and we know not what to do, and we have the freedom to not do it. The freedom to not sin is a beautiful freedom. The freedom to not sin is a beautiful freedom. Genuine freedom doesn't mean that you just do whatever you want or that you can do whatever you want. That is not freedom. Freedom is knowing what you shouldn't do and not do it. Hasn't that been the cry of the last two years? Right? Free to not do what you know you shouldn't do. And so in contrast to the abiding disciple, right, who who is free, we, we see in verses 37 and 38 where it says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. He's still talking to the same Jews. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. What? Who's their father? Who is their father? Well, verse 44 tells us, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Oh, man. It's pretty harsh, right? But these are Jesus' words. And so the other road, the opposite of being a true disciple, is to be a child of the devil. This is what Jesus says. And so we have children of the devil. And I want us to notice two things about this aspect, besides the dramatic flames, right? And so one is the handling of the word, right? We come back to the word as the crossroads. And two is the rejection of the freedom of Jesus by choosing slavery 
And we're going to see both of those things, what the difference is. And so let's look at verse 37. I know that, again, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And so we have a rejection of the word. right? A rejection of the word, as where the true disciple uh, uh, abides, reads, submits, and knows, and learns, and does. These Jews, it says they have no place. right? There's, they have no place. They have no place in their lives for the word. You know, they, they hear Jesus speaking, but they can't contain it. They can't hear it. In verse 47, Jesus tells them, whoever is of God hears the words of God, the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. They are not of God the Father, but of their father, the devil. You know, that's why I mentioned earlier, I do believe the word of God is the crossroads for us. It, does the word of God have a place for us in our lives? Not do we own a Bible, like does it have a place for us? Does it settle in us? Or do we just read it and have it bounce off or, 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 or we don't submit to it or apply it? Like, does it have a place or do we reject it? And so it's a crossroads. And to be fair, it's not a simple crossroads when we consider this. Like, it appears in our life that we have many options, many roads that we can go down. But as we looked at earlier in John 14, 6, there's the way, the truth, the life. And then every other road or path, it all just goes to the same place. Right? They're all lies. They're all from the father of lies. He's trying to take you where he's going. You know, don't, don't get confused by pretty signs or pretty roads. He's taking you where he, where he is going. And again, in contrast to the freedom of the true disciple, the children of the devil are not free, but they are slaves to sin. And so they have a slavery to sin that we find in verses 43 to 45. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. This is the word again. You are of the father, the devil, of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. And so these Jews have rejected the words of Jesus. They've rejected the word of God. And therefore, they reject the freedom of Jesus. They reject their freedom and instead of align themselves with the devil because they're trying to kill Jesus, right? And you could trace, you know, murder all the way back, you know, to Cain and Abel, right? So he's saying, you align with this, that you would more be like a child of Cain, right? You are following the devil on this path that you were on. Mind you, the whole time, they think they are righteous, right? These are, they're not, they don't look like villainous types. They're the ones wearing the robes and the hats. They think they are the righteous ones, and they are trying to kill God. Well, how does this happen? Well, the way that's mentioned here is embracing a false freedom. Embracing a false freedom. So let's go back to verses 31 to 33. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And so the offer of freedom to them is rejected because they don't need freedom. What are you talking about? They're offspring of Abraham. They have never been enslaved to anybody. Unless you've read the Old or New Testaments. <coughs> you know, and so they are being faithful here to their father, what Jesus has said, right? They are being faithful to their father of lies, the father of lies. And they are lying to God, who, mind you, is the one that put them into slavery because they didn't honor him. And so you see this cycle here that they're still not learning from. They are lying to God's face again. You know, as one commentator put it, although they are centuries away from their ancestors in Egypt, they are still in denial. Thank you. And here's the deal. These Jews hated the idea of slavery. That's what we see here. They're not dumb. Like, they would let other people talk about them. Um, you know, we, we look at history. We look at scriptures that talks about their slavery. But they would never admit they were slaves. They would never admit that. And we know them about that culture, that that's just something that they wouldn't do. <clears throat> you know, Egypt, Babylon, the Philistines, the Greeks, and now the Romans. Don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of it, right? And so they don't need freedom. Also because they are the children of Abraham. Man, they are some serious good spiritual stock, right? Oh, man, their descendants, so spiritual. Again, if you've read the Old Testament, just they were rock solid. And so they're bragging about that. Like, we're children, uh, you know, we trace back to Abraham as if it was like a good thing. But they are saying, you know, they have the high ground. They have the high theological ground. God's got their back. No, they, they do not need freedom from anybody. And on the one hand, uh, we may think, this is really silly, this is really sad because we, we have the insider information as the reader, right? We know how silly and sad this, this scene is. But if I could lean in a little bit, <clears throat> because I love you and I know you know that, as the American church, these are the two areas that we could quickly fall into as well. Like, don't be so quick to shake our heads at these Jews here because we are in danger of this as well. Why do we need freedom? Right? If somebody offered us freedom, what would we say? Are you kidding me? I'm American. I'm American. And don't get me wrong, I love being an American. Thank you, God, that we have the freedom to be here this morning. Thank you. And we certainly have more freedom than certain parts of the world, which you know, I'm sure, sure, sure something comes to your mind right now that we have more freedom than... But we are not anywhere near the pinnacle of freedom in this world. We are not. And yet that's what we find our identity in. Right? That's what we think of America, the eagle, right? The flag and pickup trucks and, and fireworks. Like we are so free. And the only thing I like to do is watch a lot of traveling shows just about people going abroad or people coming here. And when they interview the people, which is the fascinating part for me, is that people will say, you know what? I didn't understand that we are not as free as I thought we were. And that doesn't mean that we're more enslaved than they thought, but they realize as they go around the world that other countries have the same freedoms we do. And many have much more freedom 
than we do. But it's still, it's still our identity. Yet even now, I mean, it, it's hard for me to think about this. Maybe you as well. It's unsettling that we may not be as free as we think we are. It unsettles us. Well, why is that? I mean, this is the land of the free. So let me push further. Let me push a little bit further with you guys. <clears throat> what is the top theological doctrine that we disagree on in general as the church that we can't wrap our minds around? It is the sovereignty of God. Or, or better put, hey, where does it end? Love the sovereignty of God, but let's talk about where it ends. Like, we have to be careful it doesn't step over our what? Freedom of will. Right? And so at the same time, I believe that all of us would hear that we would say freedom from sin, freedom from death, all day. Yes, that's amazing. Those things are so practical and beautiful and inspiring and hopeful. And we have those things in Christ. But in the same breath, we would also push back on our freedom and how much we contributed to that. We want those freedoms but man, do we have a hard time if anybody tells us, man, there, there's something about our will that isn't as free as we think it is. You know, and this isn't a sermon about that. And I'm not telling you what to think this morning except to, to think about that and consider that, especially when you come to a topic about the freedom of our will. What do we mean by freedom? And are we making an idol out of our freedom? How many of us would trade situations, you know, in, in, a, in a country that's worse than this, to have freedom from sin and death, right? That's the more valuable freedom. Praise God we have freedom to be here this morning. But the freedom that the cross gave us, that Jesus gave us on the cross, is worth so much more. And that's what we need to find our identity in. As our freedoms begin to be taken away in this country, reality is they can't take away our greatest freedoms no matter what, Right? And so that's just to push in and for you to consider. The other is the idea of spiritual heritage, because again, these Jews aren't worried. They come from a, a long history of being faithful Jews. You know, not, not to mind you, like these people want to kill Jesus, which, which breaks Jewish law. But, but, but hey, they have a spiritual background. And I think we do the same thing. You know, I, I am fifth, sixth generation Christian, you know, third, fourth generation pastor. You know, I, I'm a, I, I am fine. Like, I, my family has always been Christians. And I, there is an advantage. I believe the Bible teaches an advantage to raising your children up in the way they should go. Right? There's, there's an advantage. Uh, young people here, you have an advantage. Right? It's a great advantage to have. But at some point, you have to surrender to Christ as well. You're going to come to a crossroads where... I know a lot of us know the heartache of having children or people in our family who you thought were Christian hit a crossroad and then all of a sudden they don't go that direction. And it's, it's sad and it's tragic. So our heritage, no matter how Christian our mom or dad were, doesn't matter. Or I should say it does matter, but you still have to make that decision for yourself. And so let's just be careful not to make these same mistakes. That we value true freedom, that we value the most important of freedoms. Which leads to my last and shortest point this morning, which is 
um, that hopeful ultimate freedom that we look forward to, right? The freedom from death that we're going to celebrate um, next Sunday, right? And we're going to invite people. We're going to have a good time. So let's look at this in verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Awesome. Ultimate freedom. That is freedom. You will never see death. Come on. And again, what is this tied to? How do you not see death? It's tied directly to the word. Right? That's what that verse says. If anyone keeps my word... In other words, if you know and you follow my word and you don't stop, you will never see death. There's no way around the fact we're not being Pharisees. We're not being uh, legalistic, right? This is Jesus saying, you must abide, learn, follow. You do this, you don't see death. You do that and you're a true disciple. And so we've looked at, um, in the last two paragraphs, of this chapter. We've, we've picked selected verses to look at. Go ahead and read the whole thing um, when you get a chance. But basically, these Jews are upset at him. And, and they're making fun of him. Even one of the verses, they're insinuating that um, he doesn't even know who his dad is. So he's probably not even a child of Abraham, right? And so they are just, and I think at this point, um, Jesus finally goes ahead and he plays the God card, right? Plays the God card, so they know who they're talking to. And it says in verses 57 through 59, So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So why do, why do these Jews want to stone Jesus? Because he said before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I mean, think about this. They are talking about these descendants they've never known. Really, they've never known them. They might know their names. We're descended from this. And Jesus says, in this moment right now, as I talk to you, I already knew Abraham. Think about that. Right now, I exist before he ever exists. In this moment. It's insane. Like it gives me the chills. It's true, but it's crazy. Think about that. I mean, what's he saying? He's God. He is just on a, a plane of existence and reality beyond what is happening in this moment. And because he's God, he's the one that can give freedom. Freedom from sin. Thank you, Lord. Freedom from death. Can't wait. He's the one who's free of any constraint. And he's the one that can say, like, I don't, care what kind of imagination you have or heritage you have as far back as you can prob possibly imagine right now in this moment. I'm already there. Like I am everywhere. Like I am the Alpha, the Omega, everything. I am God. And so in the end, church, we are, we are at a crossroads every day. Every time we engage the word, every time we walk by it or we pick it up, we are absolutely at a crossroads do we pick it up? Do we know it? Do we learn it? Important, are we following it? The true disciple abides in the word and finds freedom, both from sin and death. Or do we deceive ourselves, rejecting the things that, that we don't agree with? 
or claiming that we have enough freedom already. The children of the devil reject the word and are slaves to sin and will eventually go to hell with their father. And so my prayer is that we consume the word and we know the word and we follow the word and if we were cut open that we would bleed the word because that is true freedom. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.